Have I turned it on? Yes, thank you. Guru and Shepherd there. Big shout out to that media team. Probably the worst job in the house. As well, it goes well. When it doesn't, it doesn't. So I'll just keep talking. So thank you. It's lovely to be sharing today. I think this pulpit is here because Stan has like a bent to go this way. So this is so that he goes this way as well. Um, I'll try and go both ways. So Cammy brought up my picnic basket today. Um, my folks, when we got engaged, my parents gave us this picnic basket, so it's very old. We've been married 27 years now. Um, so it's been around a long time. And um, the reason he brought it up today is because today I want to share with you about an, a massive picnic that Jesus was part of. And I'd love you to come along with me to, um, it's amazing because this picnic is actually spoken about in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, three of the accounts are very similar, and then John is a little bit different. But um, today I want to read with you from Mark. Um, Megan's going to put up the scripture on the, on the screen for you to follow. But if you'd like to follow in your Bible, it's from Mark 6, verse 30. And we're talking about the story when Jesus feeds the 5,000. So it's a very big picnic. Come along with me. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages and we, and we to go and spend, are we to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. How massive a picnic was that? I don't think my picnic basket would have been sufficed for that picnic. So we've been talking about the holy table and what we can learn, the table skills, we've called it, and some of the preachers. So today, I love the fact that Jesus makes a table anywhere. He's not only, he doesn't just think about a table. Today he makes a picnic on the green grass. And some of the accounts in, in Matthew and in Luke, he says there's plenty of grass, just let them sit down on the grass. 
So today I just want to, when I read through that scripture, there were a couple of things that God highlighted to me and I hope they are encouraging to you. So in all of the accounts, except in John, the disciples, if you see at the very beginning, it said, so they'd just come back. So now Jesus had sent the disciples out earlier in the earlier parts of the gospels. He'd filled them with power and he'd sent them out into the surrounding towns to go and perform miracles and signs and wonders. He said, go, go to the villages, show them, use my power and perform all these miracles. So they had, so they'd gone out into all the villages. So this scripture, this event takes place when all the disciples come back to tell Jesus. So it must have been quite exciting. I mean, I don't think they were coming back to say, well, we, we didn't do anything. I mean, they were coming back to say, wow, the power that we were filled with actually worked. I mean, we, we performed these amazing things in your name. But in all accounts, as I say, except in, in John, he, they were coming back actually to also tell Jesus that his cousin had died, that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so can you imagine, it was, it was a difficult thing. Jesus, um, they were coming back to tell him that quite a difficult thing. So at the beginning of most of the stories, it says Jesus drew aside. He was grieving, he was hurt, he just needed some time and space, just with the people who were close to him. Many of us have been through difficult seasons. We might have lost somebody close to us. We might have lost somebody in our families or somebody we know. And you know, in those times, you just need the people that are close to you around you. You just need some time. And that's what Jesus did. He said to his disciples, the people that were closest to him, let's just go and be on our own for a bit. In one of the accounts, he gets into the boat and he crosses over the Sea of Galilee to this town called Bethsaida. And he just wants some time. And I think his disciples, you know what it's like when your friend is going through a difficult time? You just want to help them. So I think the disciples were saying, you know what? Let's just help our buddy. Let's just, he just needs some time. These people are clamoring over him all the time. He just needs some time to grieve and mourn and just some time with us on his own. So that's just happened and then this picnic takes place. So the first thing when I read that story that I noticed about Jesus, and Shepard, maybe you can put up, these are just some of the picnic skills that I noticed from Jesus. The first thing that I noticed about our Father is his incredible compassion for people that even in his incredibly painful, painful place of grieving, his compassion for his people and his love for people drew him out of that place and he continued to pour his life out for his father. It said in one of the accounts, it said, when he saw the people, that's what, what, that's what the compassion was, he lifted his head from his grief and he, when he saw the people, he saw they were like sheep without a shepherd and he welcomed them to him. And one of, the, one of the accounts says he continued to teach them. The other account says he continued to heal all those who needed healing. And I thought how incredible in his place of brokenness, he still lifted his head and continued to pour out his life for other people. How amazing. I wanted to challenge us today are we still moved by compassion for the people around us? 
Or are we so concerned about our feelings and where we are at, do we lift our heads enough to keep our eyes focused to pour ourselves out for Jesus? It was just a little challenge that I saw from my father from this, from this story. And then the next little lesson I learned was from the disciples. I mean, how can you believe these guys? I mean, they've just been sent out full of the power of the Spirit. They've obviously performed some miracles in the, in the towns around because they came back to tell Jesus about everything that they'd done. But then when it gets a little bit tough, they're like, oh, okay, what are we going to do now? But the lesson I learned here was that the disciples went back to Jesus at the end of the day. I love that because I thought to myself, it would have been easy for them to sort of walk around the crowd and say, hey guys, it's finished now. Jesus is tired again, trying to protect their friend. It's time now, can you just all leave? But it challenged me because I thought to myself, how many times do I just carry on with my plan and then hope that Jesus is going to get on board with my plan? Do I go back to Jesus Is that my first response? Is my first response, I loved it, at the end of the day, they go straight to Jesus and they say, help us. I mean, Jesus must have thought, oh my gosh, these people are such slow learners. But he doesn't, he just says, he's just so kind and so gracious. So the next skill I learned from the story is not from Jesus, it's actually from the disciples. I also wanna be like that. I wanna make sure that I go straight back to Jesus when I'm needing him, when I'm making big decisions in my life? Do I go straight to Jesus? Do I go to my fellow believers who I trust, who I know will give me godly counsel? Or do I just bumble along with my plans and hope that Jesus is gonna get on board with me? I wanna be like the disciples. I wanna go straight to Jesus first. And then I just love Jesus' response. He has far more faith in us than we do, always. Don't you love that? I'm so gracious and I'm so grateful. Because what is his response? His immediate response is, you give them something to eat. I mean, he could have just clicked his fingers and said, okay, here's all the food. But he never disempowers us. He always wants us to ask him to come come on the journey with us. He always wants to show us that we've got it. We can do it with him. He always wants us to say, help me. And he says, I'm here. I love that. Because he reminds them, he says, guys, I've already told you. I've already told you. I've already chosen you to be used as my disciples. And he reminds them, no, actually, it's your responsibility to look after these people. We've already discussed this. I've already chosen you to look after people and take care of them. Why are you coming back to me? You give them something to eat. I love that. He's got way more faith in us than we do. But then I love the fact that he always wants to involve everybody. He does not discriminate about gender, about race, about age, about anything. He says, bring the little boy. I love that. He uses anybody. He is more, he's more interested in the willingness of somebody and the availability of somebody than the miracle. I think our problem is, is we are too worried about the miracle 
That's not our job. Our job is not to worry about the miracle that happens afterwards. He's interested in our heart. And he says, just what are you bringing? How available are you to bring what you've got? I think we're too worried about the miracle on the other side. And I'm here to tell you today, he's got more faith in us than we have. Just bring your available, willing heart. And he will let him worry about the miracle on the other side. If your business is small, that's okay. He can do the miracle, not you. And that's what he does. He just says nothing is too small for him to use. He uses a few loaves and a few fish. And he creates the biggest picnic we've ever read about. It says 5,000 people, 5,000 men. Now you must know, there were women, there were children. There were a lot of people at this picnic. He's not worried about the size. And then this is my favorite part of the story. The beginning of the year, we always talk about a word. You know how some people look for a word at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of the year. And um, one of my words for the year has been gratitude. And, um, but I felt God say to me that it's not just gratitude. I felt him say I needed to cultivate gratitude. So I looked up cultivate, and I realized it's actually, it's quite an active word. It's a farming word, actually, which means I've got to work at it. It doesn't just happen. I've got to cultivate gratitude. And when I look at the story, I'm absolutely amazed. In every single one of the accounts of the gospel, when you read about the, story, the picnic story, Jesus takes the small offering that that little boy brings, and he puts it in his hands, and he goes before his father. And every single one of the stories says he lifts his head, and he lifts the offering, and he gives thanks to his father. And I just love that. He has no doubt in his mind where the power comes from. He is not doing any of this on his own. He knows he needs to partner with his father. And I thought to myself, it challenged me. Am I bringing everything in my life, my little offering? Sometimes it's small, most of the time it's very small. Am I bringing it before my father and lifting my head and saying, Lord, I'm gonna give you thanks for all, I can, all I've got because I'm trusting you. I know you're the miracle maker. You're gonna make the picnic on the other side. And if Jesus is our role model, that's what we should be doing. Are we bringing our little bit and being thankful and he will show us? I wanna follow his example in everything I do. In my working, my marriage, in my parenting. Sometimes it's tough. Lots of the times it's tough parenting. You've heard me say that most difficult job in the whole world. But I'm gonna bring my little offering before the Father and say, Lord, I thank you come and make you bring the miracle on the other side. And then I love this little point. Jesus likes a plan. Me and my diary. Oh, COVID, oh, completely freaked me out. No diary, can't plan tomorrow, can't plan next week, can't plan next month. Poor church calendar stood empty. Let's cross that out. No, we can't do this. No, we can't do that. It was very difficult for me. 
I love this. It says in one of the accounts, Jesus directed them. I thought, oh my gosh, he's like a director. He like plans things. He organizes things. He, he loves that. I thought, that's amazing. That encouraged me. Because what, what does he do? He says, get them into groups. Organize them. Organize it. So I just thought, you know, sometimes in our lives we can think, oh, no, it's Jesus going to sort it out. It's mm. not asking you just to sit back, wait for the miracle to happen. No, you can have a plan. Just make sure you're bringing your plan to Jesus. And he will direct you. He will help you. He will show you. I mean, it's down to the detail. All of the accounts is in groups of 50 and groups of 100. I mean, it's quite specific. It's in the gospel. It's not there just because those were the numbers that the guys wrote down. He said, there's plenty of grass here. Let's organize everybody. Put them into groups, 50s and 100s. I love that. Are you bringing God in on your plans? He can help you. And then again, I just love the fact that he never disempowers the disciples. If you read the accounts, he says to the disciples, he takes that offering once he's given thanks. And can you imagine? It must have been pretty spectacular. This tiny little fish and loaves. And then it must have just been like this. I don't know what happened. I mean, it must have been phenomenal. Can you imagine? Just bread and fish everywhere. Were they alive? Were they cooked? Were they raw? Was it sushi? I don't know. It just sounds too amazing to even think about. But um, he doesn't then say, like, he immediately empowers the people again. Like, he calls his disciples to him and he says, you go and feed the people. And I love that about Jesus. He partners with you. It's, he empowers you. Again, he has more faith in you than you have. And he says, no, 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 come along. I, you, you can do this. And he says, come, guys, you take the food and you go and feed them. Put them into groups. He tells him. He literally walks along next to us every single step of the way. It's incredibly encouraging for me. And even at the end, he's like, you pick up the baskets. It's like every step of the way, he will be with you in your, on your journey if you just ask him to come to the picnic. Or do we just go on the picnic by ourselves? Or do we ask him to come to the picnic? And then this is my last little point. Jesus is all about tomorrow's lunch boxes. If you live in a house with two young adults and a teenager, you will understand this point. This picnic skill is always about the supper the night before. Because those teenagers and young adults, they are wanting to know, what am I going to pillage from supper for my lunchbox the next day? Look at all these young adults. They're all laughing because that's what they do. So they're, like, they're saying, like, and then when you're packing the supper away, they're all fighting in the kitchen. Don't you touch that. I'm taking that to school. I'm da, 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 da. I just started laughing when I was reading that scripture. I thought, gee, because Jesus must have understood about lunchboxes the next day. Because he is all about more than enough. He is never about just enough. And so often I think we live our lives thinking that he's just going to give us just enough. That's not the father that we serve. If you're living your life like that, you, I hope today smashes that box over you. If you're trusting him for just enough for your business, that's, that's a lie. He, they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. I mean, that is radical. Imagine what that must have looked like. I mean, they must have found these baskets and had to pick up all these leftovers. 
All those young adults are thinking, oh, lunchbox tomorrow, my lunch is going to look amazing, bread and fish. And then I just realized it's amazing. He never does anything by chance. Everything the Father does is intentional. And even when he gave thanks and he had the fish and the bread, you know, he lifted it to the Father and then it says he broke the bread. They had no context for how powerful that was. I think one of the reasons, one of the things he was trying to teach them Later on in the Gospels, they were going to understand what it meant that he was the bread of life. That actually we get to, for the rest of our lives, know when we break the sacraments, when we break bread and drink, his, drink the wine, we get to understand the more than enough. Every time we do that, we get to understand that God wants us to have 12 baskets in our life. Not a nip and a sip, which we have to do on a Sunday because we can't accommodate a 5,000 picnic every Sunday. I wish we could. We should actually trust God for that day. But that's what he was trying to teach them. And only much later they would have realized. They didn't know then. I mean, it hadn't happened. The Last Supper hadn't happened. This was still in the beginning of all his miracles. But I love that God is intentional. Make sure spoke to somebody um, in their life, make sure you're writing down the miracles that God is performing in your life. Because you know, when you, when you walk through those difficult dry patches, and we all go through them, Jesus went through them, it's important to remember, oh yeah, he's the God of the 12 baskets. I'm going to have to draw on some of those baskets now because I can't see it. That's what he's trying to teach them. I'm going to be the bread of life. You're going to be able to draw on these baskets for the rest of your life. So I'd like to end with a verse from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Just to remind us that we belong to a more than enough God. And this is what it says. It says, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. Father, I pray that we will be generous with what we have been given in this season so we can pick up 12 extra baskets in our lives and sow them into other people's lives. In your holy name.